You know, as we sung <clears throat> hymn 268, verse 6 says, Bless the teachings of thy servants, lay upon their tongues thy word, and extend to those thy mercy, who today thy word have heard. When we sing and when we pray, mayest thou the amen say. So it's my prayer that you keep me in prayer. You keep me in prayer as I would be sharing God's word <clears throat> with you this morning. Before we open up God's word and we look at, at the teachings of the Lord, let's bow in prayer. Father in heaven, we're thankful for the opportunity to be in your house of worship. We're thankful, Lord, that you've given us a place to gather. And we're thankful, Lord, for your words of life, your words of hope, and, your, and the encouragement, Lord, even in Bible class as we talked about hope. We thank you for that, Lord. And as we look into your word <clears throat> this morning, I ask you to pray, Heavenly Father, that you lay upon my, my hearts and thoughts um, just the, the, the words that you would want me to speak and say. That, Heavenly Father, the focus now would not be on me, but it would be on your word and your teachings and on you. We love you and we thank you and we just pray that you would be with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Luke, chapter 15. The Lord's laid on my heart to <clears throat> share with you what I have been preaching about back home, a very well-known portion of Scripture, one that has been, uh, there have been many sermons on. However, the Lord's laid on my heart to kind of put together a few words and in, in, in thoughts about this portion of Scripture that I thought that a lot of people really knew. It's about the prodigal son. And we're going to kind of get a little bit of background and, 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 uh, of how this came, came about. But as I was putting this lesson together, there was, a, there was a man at work that I asked him, do you know the story of the prodigal son? And he looked at me, and I was kind of surprised that he had this kind of a perplexed look. And he goes, well, I know what the prodigal is. I said, do you know what the story is behind it? He said, no, I don't. So I proceeded to tell him of the story of the prodigal son. Planted a seed where that goes, only the Lord, uh, or only the Lord knows. But I think more so, I would like to maybe focus on the father, because there are many characters in this, in this story. We know that the character, there's the, the first character is the younger son, and we'll read about the younger son and his attitude. And then after that, in this parable, Christ goes to the elder son and talks about the elder son, and we'll talk a little bit, a little bit more about the elder son and his attitude. And the third is the father. You know, we talked about hope in Bible class. We talked about it being active. We talked about being alive. Action. 
And there's a lot of action in this story as well. So I, with the help of the Lord, I'd like to read the first two verses of 15, and then we'll skip down to... <coughs> Verse 11, then drew near unto him all the publicans and the sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Verse 11, and he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. <coughs> and he divided unto him the living or his living. <clears throat> Not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted it his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him to his fields to feed swine. <clears throat> And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. <clears throat> Make me one of thy hired servants." And he arose, and he came to his father. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> but when he, was away, when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, <clears throat> Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us be merry. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. They have begun to be and they began to be merry. Now when his elder son was in the field and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto them, Thy brother has come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and he would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress thee at any time at thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, and has killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It, was, it is meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. <clears throat> so scripture talks about or starts off saying that they're drew unto him, the publicans and the sinners. At this point of Christ's life, he's kind of coming towards the end of his ministry. And he has, he has drawn a huge crowd. There are people that have followed him for a few reasons. Perhaps one, because they saw the miracles that he performed and they wanted to see more miracles. Maybe they followed him because there was a miracle that they needed. 
And they wanted that miracle to be, um, for him to perform that miracle. Or perhaps he was, there was those that were just there because they had friends that were, that were there and they just wanted to tag along. And this we see is not the first time this has happened. In many places in Scripture, it talks about uh, where, where there was a lot of, uh, he had a, a large, large gathering or crowds that were following him. But also, there was a group of people that were following him, the Pharisees and the scribes. Now you'd think that, well, why would they be following him? They would follow him to try to discredit his teaching. They weren't following him because they wanted to hear what he, what he had to say, because they needed healing, or they wanted to be encouraged, or they wanted to be uplifted. But they wanted to find a way to entangle his words, to tangle up his words to where he would, he would say something that would discredit him. We see many places in the scripture when Christ spoke to the crowds, he spoke to them in parables. Parable being an allegory or story that could be interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning or to illustrate a meaning of a message. And that's exactly what Christ did here with the Pharisees. After they said, this man receiveth sinners and eats with them. Christ, knowing their, their, their thoughts and their hearts, their intent. And he goes on, which we didn't read, and he talks about a man that had a hundred sheep, and, and one was lost. And the man left the ninety-nine to go find the one. And when he had found it, he called all his friends and said, Rejoice with me, for I found that one sheep. But he says, there is joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than 99 and 99 just which need no repentance. And then he gave him another parable of the lost silver, the lost coin, where this lady had 10 coins and one rolled off the table and she couldn't find it. And she's going, she's going mad trying to find it and she's uh, turning the house upside down. She says she's, she's sweeping it. And she's seeking it diligent till she finds it. <clears throat> Here's an illustration of Christ going after those that are lost. And when they found it, there's joy in heaven. And he goes on to the third parable, which we just read about the prodigal son. The word prodigal is not written in the scriptures at all. But the word prodigal means somebody that has wasted, lavish, giving away something that they had, frivolously. <clears throat> and the parable, the parable <clears throat> about this, this son was he wanted the inheritance. He didn't want to live with his father anymore. He wanted to leave. <clears throat> He wanted to be on his own. He wanted to have a good time. He wanted a party. He didn't want to be under the thumb or the rule of his father. And he goes to his father, Father, give me my inheritance. Give me my portion. 
Now, this normally wouldn't happen because we know in the tradition, in the Jewish tradition, the older son gets the double portion and he gets the first choice. And scripture here tells us that the father, father didn't say, what's the matter with you? Don't you know that you don't get the inheritance until afterwards I give it to your son before I give it to you? We see the character of the father. We see that the father just said, go, I'll give it to you, and then you can go. He didn't try to stop the son. He gave them his inheritance, but he also gave the son the choice. If this is what you want, I'm going to give it to you. Go. And God does that to us. He gives us a free will. He gives us the choice. But there are also consequences with the choices that we make. The son takes the money, he goes out, and he finds him. He goes to a far-off country. It wasn't in the same town or the village where, where he grew up. He went somewhere far away. Why? Because he did not want to know what his, he didn't want his father or his family to know what he did or what he was doing or he wanted to do. He wanted to be as far away from the family as possible. And I'm going to go on with the story. Because the son then comes to his senses after he <clears throat> frivolously spends everything that he has. And he ends up with nothing. Scripture says, <clears throat> when he had spent all, verse 14, he arose, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. So he went and he joined himself to a citizen of the, that country. I read what, what happened here was that the son, <clears throat> who had no money, didn't have a place to, li- to sleep, didn't have food on his, uh, to eat. He says he joined himself. And that word joined means he attached himself to somebody, almost as if he was like constantly with somebody to become like a, like a pest to him. Like, like, you know what? Yeah, you know, I, I need my space. But no, he had joined himself to, to, this, to, to this one person that had land. And, 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 he, and finally, in order to separate himself from the son, he said, look, why don't you go out and feed my swine? Go feed the pigs. This is a way that he could actually separate this lost son from the countrymen. <clears throat> and while he was there, Scripture tells us he kind of came to his senses, thinking about what he did, and what happened. And he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? Choices that we make come with consequences. And this was his consequence. No place to sleep, no place to eat, I mean nothing to eat, in the wallow of the, with the pigs. And he says, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to my father. He arose, <clears throat> and he came to his father. Scripture tells us, but when his father was, a, when, when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. He had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. 
This is a beautiful illustration of who God, uh, God is. Because watch. He had a great compassion. He ran, he fell on his neck, and he kissed him. And the son said unto the father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight I am no more worthy to be called thy son. There was the kiss first, the embracement from the father. Then there was the confession from the son. The son didn't say, come to the father and say, Father, I have sinned against you. I I have wronged you. No, the love of the father, he embraced his son before his son could confess his sin. Isn't that what God did for you and me? Did he not love you and me so much that he he gave his son to die on that cross for our sins? Bring forth the best robe, put on him the ring in his hand and the shoes on his feet, and bring hither the the fatted calf. You see, this is a picture of repentance too. He confesses his sin. He owns it. He doesn't blame the shift. He takes full responsibility. He recognizes whom he sinned against. He sinned against heaven and, 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 and against God. And he sinned against his father. And he realizes what he deserves. He says, I'm not worthy to be called your son. <clears throat> this is the picture of repentance. And then the son, the elder son, who's out in the field tending, tending the flock, comes to the house and hears the noise. And he asks one of the servants, what's going on? And he said, your son's come back. Your, you know, your, 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 your brother has come back. They cut, they've killed the calf. And he says, verse 28, that he was angry and would not go in. I heard a quote that uh, somebody said there were two people or there were two characters that were angry in this, in this portion of Scripture. One was the son, the other was the, the calf. But he was mad, he was upset. How could you do this? And if you, if you st- stop and think, how would the son, or what would the son have, or what would the, what would the, the older, elder brother say to the younger brother if he saw him first? What are you doing here? You don't belong here. You don't deserve to be here. You got your inheritance. You did what you did with it. Why are you back? But the father went out and entreated him and said, look, your son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. 
when we look at the elder brother, that portion reproves us. You see, the son, both the elder and the younger son, both sinned. One took the inheritance and left, didn't want to be with the father. The other one thought that what he was getting, his inheritance, because he said, all that you have is mine, that he received it based off of the things that he was doing. They both missed the mark. We are reproved in this portion of Scripture. Don't think you're better than others. We're all sinners in need of grace. We must give, give, we must give grace, or we must give others the same grace that we have received. The elder, th- the elder son, <clears throat> he thought because he obeyed the rules, he deserved the blessing. His motive was to receive, not to show love to his father. And he thought that his brother's sinfulness was unforgivable. unforgivable. And he resented the father's joy and refused to share it. And when we look at the father and what he did and the way he approached <clears throat> both of his sons. We look at a couple, some of God's attributes. God is all-powerful. God is sovereign. God is holy and just. God is love. God is merciful. Merciful. The story shows us of God's unconditional love. Though we are sinners, God gave his own son to die on our behalf that we may be forgiven and spend eternity with him. And we can find that in Romans 5.1 and John 3.16. The boys didn't love the father. They were more concerned of the things that he had and was concerned about the wealth and status. One was, they were both trying to get the father's things and one through being bad, the other by being good. And the irony is that they kept the elder son from his father, or the thing that kept the, the elder son from his father is not sin, but what he thought was being good. Both were alienated from the father. They looked different from the outside, but they were the same on the inside. But we see that the father restored the son, the, the, the younger son, by giving him three things back. His dignity, his identity, and his authority. His authority. That's when he said, give me the best robe, put it on him. Put the ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. John 1, 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. 
See, how many reasons can we think that God could be ashamed of us? He knows our past, our present, and our weakness. He knows our sins, our mistakes, our habits. And none of this is a surprise to him. What matters, and we know that God hates sin, and it's sin that separates us from him. But God has made a way where there is no way. He's the bridge and the path that, can go, that we can go to God, our Father, and cry, Abba, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. God has made a way for us to be forgiven and restored. Our actions of love need to be like the love God has for you and me. And if we think about if we think about the love that the father had for both of his children, because they were both on the outside, one left far away, the other one wouldn't come in. But the father went out from that from the house to meet the son, both sons that were outside. And scripture tells us that love is patient, love is kind, love is humble, love is gentle, love is generous. And that we're all in need of grace. So we must give the same grace as we have received. God has many attributes, and I read a few of them. I'm going to read a few more. He's almighty, he's boundless, he's compassionate, he's dependable, he's eternal, he's faithful, he's good, he is holy. He is immortal, he's just, he's kind, he's love, he's merciful, never failing, he's one, he's perfect, he's qualified, he's righteous, he's sovereign, he's true, he's unchanging, he's victorious, he's wise, he's extraordinary, and he is Yahweh, and he's zealous. And these are attributes, first letter of the alphabet. We don't know what happened after the son, the elder son had the conversation with the father. We don't know if the younger, if the younger son sticks around. We don't know if he changed the light, uh, the, his life. We don't know if he behaved himself. We don't know if he stepped in the role of the father, uh, the, as the son for the father. And we don't know if he cleaned up his act. And perhaps that's the point. We never know what's going to happen next. because we all have choices to make. Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and the scribes in these parables so they may understand and see his purpose. They may see God and and who God really is and what love looks like, what forgiveness looks like, what repentance looks like. You see, there's another story in the scripture that's very similar to this one. Father that had two sons. And in both stories, there were blessings and inheritance which played a crucial role. 
In both stories, the younger son desired something from his father and obtained it by questionable means. In both stories, the younger son leaves and travels to a far country. In both stories, the older son remains at home. In both stories, the younger becomes a keeper of animals in his far country. In both stories, the younger son decides to return home, but is unsure how he will be received. In both stories, the older son is initially not happy about the return of the younger. In both stories, the younger son is welcomed by someone who runs to meet him, falls on his neck, and kisses him. And in both stories, the younger son is reconciled with his family. Can you guess who or what story this parallels with? It's in the Old Testament, Genesis. Esau and Jacob. Genesis 27 through 35. You see, Christ brought this up because they knew this story. And again, he's bringing out a point to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Who God, is, who God is, what he's done for you, and what he's done for me, and how much he loves you and how much he loves me. That he sent his son, that we can go to him and cry, Abba, Father, not only in time of need, but just to say thank you. We had Thanksgiving not too long ago. So I hope these things, you may have known of these already, and maybe there are many sermons about that, but maybe this was just a little refresher, reminder of how much God loves you and how much God loves me. May God bless his word.